0: Welcome to The Ovation Show, where we're talking to Texas business owners and executives. We're discussing their business growth, corporate culture, sales, and strategy. We'll hear about their successes, their challenges, and hopefully we'll get some education, inspiration, and maybe a little motivation. So now, let's learn, grow, and connect. My guest today is Jason McCann, co-founder and CEO of Very, formerly Vary Desk, as everyone's probably familiar with. Jason, thanks for coming <laughs> hey, in. Hey, my
1: pleasure. Thanks for having me. So it's great to be here. I, I look at you as a LinkedIn celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get out there and just, you know, I think during the height of COVID, I started posting more and more things out there on how we were going through challenges. And that's connected with and resonated with a lot of people so it's been fun and i appreciate you doing this and really inspiring the next generation of entrepreneurs and leaders so thanks for doing this
0: well look at you are i mean a community leader i mean last year i think you were uh ceo of the year with the magazine yeah this year you're in the the (laughs) d500 congratulations on both of
1: those yeah it's been it's been an honor you know and it was it was fun when dceo called and they said they wanted to talk to me about something. And they said, you know, we we want to honor you with this. And it was very humbling. And I I thought they were asking me to nominate somebody. <laughs> and I said, why me? And they said, in the middle of all this, there's a lot of people out there that are looking for solutions, for ideas, for inspiration. So it's been a, an, an honor to, to be recognized by DCEO. It's been fun. Well,
0: there were so many great leaders in Dallas-Fort Worth. Oh, yeah, yeah. It is. It, it's incredible. But I mean, definitely I can see why when I, you know, following you and the things that you're doing and accomplishing are fantastic. So a little bit, tell us a little bit about you, like where are you from and your family?
1: Yeah, my wife and I grew up in Galveston. I was born in the Midwest, but we grew up in Galveston and we moved up here about 20 years ago. So I've got three kids now that are 22, 20 and 18. So it's been a lot of fun, but growing up in Galveston, In really the tourism industry, my mom owned a hair salon. So she was the first entrepreneur I knew. And so we would talk about business and things like that. And I had a chance to open up a beach chair and umbrella company in my teenage years and and learn the honor of hard work. Uh studied at the University of Houston and the Hilton College there, hospitality, and thought I wanted to be in the nightclub restaurant industry in your 20s. That's like your dream. And so I partnered up with the gentleman that opened uh, Yaga's, the original Yaga's, kind of during the Stussy Massimo craze back in the 80s. But they still own a great restaurant down there in Galveston. We opened one in Houston, and this was in the height of the Rockets' heyday of Akeem Olajuwon. It was a great period of the early 90s to be an entrepreneur. I really recognized that was not my calling. So I had to go back and I I sold out to my business partners and wanted a change there. Studied, went and got my MBA at U of H and randomly ended up in the toy business during the pog craze. So that was kind of back. It's kind of like, yeah, there was kind of a crazy period of time. And that was kind of the beginning of really trying to find my lane and product and taking care of companies and customers. And what what was that, Jemmy? Or- so, yeah, so Dan and I actually met in 1999. So during the pog craze, I ended up working for a toy company in Houston, kind of went crazy out there. The pog craze went up and down very quickly. Um, and so Dan actually met the, the company in Houston that I was working with. And Dan and I had a connection. And Dan had founded this amazing company called Jemmy. And nobody had ever... I'd never heard of Jemmy, still most people haven't heard of Jemmy, but people know the products. And so uh, Jemmy was known for those Santas that hip swinged and danced and these big bubble makers and Seymour buns and all these funny novelty items, but it was really a Christmas and Halloween powerhouse. And so Dan and I partnered up in 1999, this was the gold rush era of .com business eras. And so we decided to sell uh, Christmas and Halloween online and called it icelebrate.com and launched it just like every dot-com business out there. So we had millions of dollars in sales, advertisements everywhere, but we weren't profitable. And so there was a, something happened, right? The music stopped in 1999, 2000, and the funding dried up. And then I realized at that moment, I'd built a great business with a great culture, but I hadn't built a business model that was profitable. And so it was a very dark period too. So to go bust at 30 years old with a six month old at home, sitting there going oh my goodness what am i gonna do and i felt like a failure and it was a very tough period dan owned jemmy and that was his core business he had founded in 1985 and he had the year of big mouth billy bass fish the singing fish on the wall that was his that's jemmy's yeah that was dan's and so they had created that they also had a few inflatables so we're talking big inflatable pumpkin a santa a snowman a grinch a monster and dan had a vision could you take all those giant gorillas that were on auto dealerships and sell 50 snowmen and so i you know when you lose a lot of money with somebody uh, you learn a lot about them and so um i dan asked for some help on his business and so i kind of said hey let me help you for a few years and went in and really fell in love with christmas and halloween and, and the company that jemmy had built and so dan and i worked together and he had a great team and culture and I was blessed to be a part of it. And so Dan and I worked together since 1999. So at Jemmy, I became president in 2009 and we became the largest supplier of all those inflatables that you see on people's yards for Halloween and Christmas. Also all the LED lighting. So if you're at Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart for Halloween or Christmas, all that is produced by Jemmy. It's designed right here in the Capel area. And then it's produced overseas and then sold to all these amazing retailers. You go to Michael's craft store and all those pumpkins that you see that are mm-hmm. carvable or actually made by Jimmy, So that was a great period. And then in 2012, I'm president of Dan's company and he's standing at a cardboard box because he's got back pain. And he's like, you know, my doctor told me to stand up more when I feel, you know, if, to feel better. He said, I need like a standing desk or something. And so we were kind of, we're friends. We were joking with each other. He's like, so we're Googling online, Rosemary, our assistant's looking online to find Dan a standing desk. And we couldn't. Mm he walked in one day and he said, I've got an idea for a product and Dan's pretty good at product. And that was the birth of Veridesk.
0: That's fantastic. I was wondering yeah, where that came from and where the standing desk came from. So how long did it take you guys to figure out and to build the prototype?
1: Yeah. So, uh, it was, it was when Dan started describing the Veridesk at that very moment, standing at his cardboard box with his laptop on it. I just hired an industrial designer, David, uh, to help Jemmy in the outdoor living space. We, you know, Jemmy does all the cool firefly lights and all these things in spring, summer, uh, for counter seasonal revenue. So David joined us. The so three of us sat there, and Dan started to describe: Could it slide out of a box? Could I pull it up? what became the Veridesk and David drew it. So we built the prototypes and then we were flying over to Asia to work on our Christmas and Halloween product. And the joke was Dan and I never really sat together on planes and we never really traveled at the exact same time, not for like security reasons, but we just didn't, but we happen to be sitting next to each other. We're sharing a wall street journal. We're passing it back and forth. you got a 24 hour travel day from door to door and this wall street journal, Dr. Levine from the Mayo clinic says sitting is the new smoking. And we're like, a sign from God, wow. there's something here. And so we're working on the Christmas and Halloween. We're like, do you have the standing desk? Do you have the prototypes done? And we, we saw them there. We, we had already built some in the U.S. And so that became, we had our first one. So we brought them back and we liked them. So they're they're functioning. Dan, are standing mm-hmm. up. Dan's starting to feel better. We're like, well, we got to show it to some people because the employees at Jemmy loved it. But that doesn't matter. You got to really take your product or idea and hit the battlefield of commerce. It's so like who in town here in Dallas has like a lot of people that are maybe in like a call center and somebody knew somebody at Verizon. So uh, Pedro Carrera was the president of Verizon's call center said, hey, we'll, we'll take a look. You know, we, we know somebody. So we walked in cold. You know, we had a meeting with the president of Verizon. And I'm laying there the night before and I'm sitting there going, what are we going to say? Like suddenly I'm like nervous. Like, oh, my God, I'm meeting the president of Verizon's call center division. What are we going to say? And as I'm laying there prepping for it, I say, we're going to create a happier, healthier, more productive workspace. That's what we're going with. And so we walked in, we got our Wall Street Journal, Sitting is the New Smoking. We got our prototypes of, of the Vera desk. We slide it out, we stand it up, and he goes, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about <laughs> with Sitting is the New Smoking. But let me get my head of HR to come in and my ergonomist. And I'm like, I don't even know what an ergonomist is. And David's like, oh, the carpal tunnel, the person that helps you sit correctly. I'm like, oh, okay, great. They come in, and we were at that moment in growth mindset. Like we're sitting there going, Listening and learning. And I think that's a very important thing. So when you take your product or idea out there, you want to listen for feedback. You always think your baby's beautiful. But the reality is the commerce and customers will tell you what it's really like. And you've got to be responsive and receptive to that information. So they gave us feedback, tweaks to the product. And they said the number one reason people miss work is for back pain. I was assuming it was something else. And so suddenly we were on. Sitting is the new smoking. The head of HR validated that. We went to the container store and showed them the product and they already make product. We walked in and they had standing desks. So I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness. Because when they had bought Alpha, they were making their own furniture. They said the fact that you have adjustable height and it can work in a traditional office, we wanna buy some, how much are they? And we were off and running. The catalyst happened when when we were sitting there on an airplane and we were trapped on a tarmac. So this is 2013. And we're sitting there and we were selling a few online, trying to figure out this business. And we're sitting there. And this is kind of pre-Wi-Fi on airplanes. So we're flipping through a SkyMall magazine over and over and over again. You've read American Way. We're like, oh, my God, is there anything else to do? And we're just trapped here. And we're like, wouldn't it be funny if we did an ad in SkyMall right now with somebody standing up? at a vera desk and so we said let's do an ad in sky mall so we called sky mall we do an ad and we become the number one selling item in sky Mall's history okay.
0: i remember it in sky <laughs> i remember seeing it in sky <laughs> sky mall i do um is that, and then how far after that was on, you were on, uh, it was on Regis and uh, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan and Kelly. Kelly yeah, a few that years was hilarious ago. when you oh, posted that yesterday.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was so funny. Our team sort of dug up from the archives. I think that was four or five years ago. And they were reenacting the commercial yeah. that got us started. But it was fun to, you know, you by listening to your customers, you know, it got us into anti-fatigue mats. It got us into monitor arms, mm-hmm. all these other things. And I didn't know anything about office furniture but i'm a ceo i'm an entrepreneur i know about culture and people and ultimately that's what we were doing It was creating the energy of the space through better and better products and so it allowed us to listen to those customers but you're right yeah when when they when they post those ads, it resonates. That means the brand's doing something very special. I think you hit on something too about the wellness side of stuff, because you know we're in the employee benefits business, mm-hmm. but we
0: deal with a lot of MSK or musculoskeletal issues and the claims, de- dealing with it, and it is a lot of back issues. Mm-hmm. And again, this is a solution. Michael Gordon talks about yeah, yeah. well care versus sick care. Mm-hmm. So this is a solution to getting away. Instead of treating back back issues, let's yeah. prevent them.
1: Yeah. And you're you're part of that solution. So yeah, did you know you were in the health space? Well, we yeah, we didn't at first. Yeah, but I think you're right. You know, we always talk about healthy organizations, and that's that's a blend of the authentic conversations that you can have, the mental well-being, the physical well-being, touching on all that, the inspirational components, the impact pieces. So you're touching on a lot of those things for people, because that's what life is about. It's these human connections, health and wellness is all a part of it. And so I didn't realize we were in that business. But by creating happier, healthy, more productive workspaces, that sort of initial thing that we were trying to do, we recognized it was much bigger. What I didn't realize is we were talking about the transformation of cultures through workspace design. When we walked into our when we when we moved out of it, we spun off the company from Gem and we became a real standalone business. We said, we, we don't want to put up sheetrock. We want walls that move. We want a space that ebbs and flows. We created collision points, a single coffee bar. So everybody in the company would bump into somebody they may or may not have a, a, an interaction with all the time. That creates a healthier organization. And by also we did centralized trash and recycling instead of have everybody having a little basket under their desk. So people were up moving. Mm. Movement is such a key thing of it. These runners learned early on, if I run in the morning, you and I are both runners, joggers. Joggers, (laughs) yeah. yeah. trotters, I'm a jogger now. (laughs) But they learned early on, if I run in the morning and I sit all day, I negate all that work. Throughout the day, I need this pulse. So the electric standing desk, all those things, um, height adjust, you know, you can have standing meetings, sitting meetings, you know, you want all those spaces all becomes a part of a healthy culture and healthier people, which is really the impact we want to make on the world.
0: Like to talk about the workflow and getting people moving, but it's interesting. You said before, you know, office furniture, but you're not in the office furniture business. That's just what you sell. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's what's building this, this, and I think you guys call it workspace innovation. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, you created this company around creating those healthy, happier workspaces. Um, And I really, that resonates and it's in everything you do whenever every advertisement. I never see you say we sell office furniture. Right.
1: But we sell a lot of it, which so- is nice. <laughs> Ultimately we have to, we have, we're a business, right? And, but what we learned, um, as, as clients started to walk in, so they would tour our, our original space in Capel, and they'd take a tour. Hey, I want to come see it. They would walk in and they're looking around and we have music playing in the lobby, music in the parking lot. When you're walking up music in the restrooms, the coffee bar, all the energy, Is what they're feeling and that's the culture and people create that energy and the products are around it and they create the bones of the foundation of the space and then the products we think about should move and ebb and flow and be just like a business because we always say businesses never do this that's not the reality we would love for businesses in the world it's this it's up and down and grind and fight just like life And so we want to create spaces like that, but that's, that's what we're in. So now we offer design services. So clients come Mm -hmm. in and a, and a leadership team will say, Hey, we're trying to figure this out. And we say, well, what's it going to look like in a few years? And like, we don't know. We're trying to future proof it. And so we think about, okay, well, let's set the space like this and design it. And then in the future it could look like this, like it literally can change and it's a new way of thinking about it. And we're trying to learn. So we've got, tens of thousands of corporate clients. I think our products are in 98% of the Fortune 500, which is a a blessing. Um, And so that's been our, our journey of learning with these great companies that are trying to transform and innovate their cultures, recruit and retain talent. A lot of that's changed here in the last, been challenging in the last few years, but all those things are the services. And then we come in and we install it, which has been nice. Then we learn, and you call us, say like, "Hey, I need to change some stuff." We come, we change it over mm-hmm. time. And as your business grows and changes, we do it. And then, obviously, with COVID, we got a lot of people working at home, and so we've, you know, kind of really now we're offering those solutions as well. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, what you're doing works. I think
0: on your on, even on LinkedIn, or it says you know you're in 120 countries now, mm-hmm. and over, I'm assuming
1: the number's bigger now, four million. You're helping four million employees and people work, yeah, healthier. Yeah, you know, you start on that journey of of one and suddenly the one becomes two or three, right? Those early adopters. And it was almost like the, the Trojan horse effect happened. So the one Verades shows up in an office and somebody starts standing and then two or three people, and this is 10 years ago, are like, oh, what are you doing? That's so odd. Well, now it's table stakes. You go into any traditional office, there's height adjustable desks, mm-hmm. there's spaces to collaborate, to move. Um, and that's been the, the catalyst for it was really that initial product. So that became a great thing for us. The military started buying it. They had all these soldiers coming back from serving overseas and were having back pain and skeletal issues and recognized that our product provided a solution for them. Then they started shipping it overseas to the satellite offices that we have government offices all over the country. That got us into more and more countries. We had people from Australia, from New Zealand, from South Africa and say, hey, we've been traveling. We see this. Can we do business with you? And suddenly we had to figure out how. And so that allowed us to expand our footprint so our core vera and some of our seating and perch solutions the active seats um, are all over the world our office things as we think about really where we're at is really primarily in the us north america canada because that's where we're kind of learning now and so we've been battle tested here especially over the last three years as people went through the challenge of what are we going to do you know so we went through a process in um, right at 2020. So we said, hey, we're going to rebrand our company. <laughs> so we're, we're Veradesk. Everybody knows us all over the world, these 4 million fans and these, these amazing things. Because when people started doing surveys, we said, what kind of office furniture do you use? And they're like, I have no idea. But they know Veridesk. And so we're like, okay. And at that moment, I realized, do I have an opportunity to build a brand that can live beyond my lifetime, right? I'm 53 today, um, not today, but these days. <laughs> um, and so we, we went, th- so we worked with a company called Landor and they helped take Federal Express to FedEx. And when they did a bunch of research out there, they said, all your Veridesk fans that recognize you have all these other solutions. Now you're much bigger than that product. You should be very, that makes total sense. And for clients that hadn't done business with us that we wanted to do business with, they said, Oh my God, very means flexibility change. Mm-hmm. Like it's a much bigger word. And we said, okay, we're onto something. We have a shot here. Like, could I build a great Starbucks, a Walmart, you know, a Nike? Like, do I have a shot at it? Let's go for it. So we went for it. And so we rebranded, we spent 18 months going through this millions of dollars, just because you got to tweak a lot of stuff. You got to, I've got 350 employees. I got, you know, stuff happening. And so we went through this process. We also opened up showrooms across the country, kind of in the smile here. I'm doing my hand gesture <laughs> of the smile of the U.S. So we're in Raleigh and North Carolina and Florida and Austin and San Antonio. And We started opening up showrooms also in the D.C. area in Baltimore and now in San Diego and Phoenix, Denver. And so we opened up these showrooms, hired salespeople, turned on our, our ads back on, you know, that that uh, that Kelly and them were talking about um, Kelly and Ryan were razzing us about um, on TV. And so we turned it back on and went for it in a big way. And so we were out of the gate hot, we can deliver an office, Mm -hmm. we're in stock, we do the space planning, and then COVID hit and like the world stopped. And we all remember that March time period when everybody's like, okay, what's going to happen here? And we started to navigate it. And as my teams went home, what I realized, I reached out to our teams in Asia that were about 12 weeks ahead of us on the COVID curve. What are y'all doing? Distance-based design, masks, you know, everybody's got hand sanitizer, the stuff that we've all been through. But we literally transformed our space because our walls move, our power drops from mm-hmm. the ceiling. Like we redid our headquarters and we started sharing it with the world and said, hey, this is how you can safely redo your space. And then suddenly we transformed over a thousand offices across the country as all CEOs were trying to figure out what do we do. And then for people that said, hey, working from home, they were calling in with back issues. Hey, I'm sitting on a futon, a sofa, mm-hmm. I'm at a crunched in a laptop. I'm sure y'all are getting crazy claims. You know, that, mm-hmm. that whole industry got issues. And they said, Hey, what are we doing? You need the same solution and ergonomic solutions at your home. You know, you've got to have a full setup. If you're going to dual monitors, just like your data security, all those things. If we're going to have remote workers, they need to have the same tools in the office. And so literally we ship tens of thousands of desks to corporate clients, all their employees all over the country. Cause you and I can build anything we make in five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, which is crazy, but we, that's, that's how we did it, and so that's how that allowed us to survive, battle test our culture and our values, and ultimately thrive and, and continue to emerge out of this. That's awesome story. And then you know one of the things you talk about, Jemmy, you know you you focused on people
0: and culture, but you didn't focus on growth. And obviously, you got the growth formula down. Apparently, I mean, yeah. Um, so one thing I've noticed too, though, you still have that team culture and that people culture, and that's kind of what I want to focus on next because that is a big piece of when on LinkedIn and when you're talking online. It's all about your people. It's about the teams you're building across the country and other countries. Um, talk a little bit about the cultures that you create and what you what you were looking for as you build Vary.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, when it's you and you're starting a business, you are the culture. And as you recruit those initial early adopters, early employees that are going to be with you, they're your, that's your culture, but it's built on your personal DNA, your drive. You're building a balanced team. You know, everybody's name. You can tell whether or not he or she is gonna work out with you and, and really complement what you're doing. What happened to me was we started growing like crazy. We got, we were the fastest growing company in DFW or win all these great things from SMU, all these great awards. And suddenly I've got 120 employees. Well, I don't quite know everybody's name. I'm not getting to interview every single person that we're hiring we're kind of coming off the rails here. And I know that unmanaged growth, I said, if I was 25 years old, I would have crashed this thing into the ground. I would have just gone off the rails. So I had to do something. So I said, does anybody know a real chief people officer out there? I'd like to meet one. I've read all these great books. One of the core things that had come up was define your values. And I was like, well, we, we know what they are like, write them down. Like what, but well, what happened was my marketing teams in there sort of writing them down, you know, uh, You know, integrity and just random words. We're like, okay, this this doesn't feel right. So I worked with a a woman, Kareen, and she had helped us build out very university our leadership training. We did book clubs, and we were doing this early on to really help my young leaders have one-on-one conversations and mentoring. She said, "Let me help you with the values piece." And I said, "How? What are you going to do?" She's all like, right. Let me give me a list of names. So I gave her seventeen people. Some I had known for a couple of weeks. Some I had known, you know, for ten plus years that had worked with me at Jemmy. And I, she interviewed them. And six core values came to the top. And she talked about things like create lifelong fans. Well, that's a that's a term we use because we recognize that we don't have customers, we have fans, and they love the brand that we're building. Be authentic. That's a value I've been living since day one. And all these values, these words, started to come to the top. And so I got this email from her and she said, I've got your values. I want to talk to you about it. And here's here's the words and the messaging that came up after interviewing 17 people and Dan and me in the company. And I'm like reading these and they said, OK, we've and then i at the same time had been reaching out to my network to introduce me to a real chief people officer. And they said, oh, your guest is at the front, Jeff Lamb. And Jeff Lamb was the former chief people officer at Southwest Airlines. He had left Southwest Airlines and was about to be president of another company. He was on some boards. He was kind enough to come on a tour. So meet him at the front, just like you met me today. <laughs> Got a cup of coffee and we're walking around the building and he's I'm telling him about very and what we're building here and we're transforming businesses. We're creating we're doing workspace design and transforming cultures. We're not a standing desk company and we don't have doors on our offices. And he's just mesmerized. And I said, Tell me at Southwest Airlines, how did y'all do culture? And what he described was he said, culture is built on your values. So you take your core values, you hire to them, you celebrate them, you reinforce them. And as you hire people that embrace those values, they are filtered through those values. And then they add to the DNA and fabric of the culture. And it lives and breathes and changes over time, all marching towards a common goal. And I said, I've got my values, the draft on my printer that just came over from Corrine. Can you take a look at these? And we sat down and we're reading these. And some of them, we tweaked a little bit of the wording over time. But as he read them and he and I were connecting and talking, it was like, you're on to it. This is what you're like. I'm, you're describing and this place is what the future of work will be. These values are, and it, that became the solidification of us. And I, as we we're walking out, because, you know, tours end and we're walking out, I said, are you available to like consult or help me or something? He said, oh, your coffee's great. I'll just pop in. So he came back a few more times. And then a few months later, Jeff said, do you need some help with like a president or CEO? I was like, hell yes. Do you know somebody? And he goes, well, what about me? I was like, Really? And so Jeff and I spent a Saturday with Dan and we just talked and I said, I asked me everything, anything you want to know. And we just talked all day on a Saturday morning and midday we hand shook and he said, I'm coming. And Jeff joined as president and COO, and he's an incredible blessing in my life. And so we've, we've now been together a little over five and a half years, I think six years. He's amazing. But to bring in again, as you think about building a business, so you hit these, these walls, and you got to power through them, you got to decide, you know, very few entrepreneurs can take a company to that first million, right, to 10 million, to hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. It's hard. It's hard work. Can you build a foundational company that can can you be a Sam Walton, a Howard Schultz? Like, can you do it? You know, Phil Knight. I mean, it's hard um, And each level. You've got to have different skill sets and you've got to work on different things as you build your business. And I'm constantly working on my own muscle, right? My own things. I'm naturally very introverted. It may not feel like it on LinkedIn. I put it out there now, but I didn't pre-COVID. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I don't want my personal stuff out there. But I recognize it helps people. And I recognize when you talk about it, it's, and you're authentic, which is a core value. And you start to say, hey, that's important. Um, and so th- those are the things that I recognize help other people. I go back to a flashback I had, and I was talking about this last night um, at, with a friend of mine, and I was at the University of Houston, and one night there was a flyer, and it said Mattress Mac from Gallery Furniture down in Houston for our for our Houstonians, um, said he's coming to speak tonight, and I walked, you know, I'm like, oh my God, and I walk into the auditorium and Mattress Mac's up there in a Gallery Furniture t-shirt, <laughs> and I'm in college, I'm like, oh my God, and really will save you money back in the day. And he talked about focusing on the customer, focusing on uh, taking care of people, keeping business simple. And I just was mesmerized. He just had a yellow notepad, and I—the way I felt when he spoke—I said, "If I ever make it in life, I'm going to do what he just did for me, and I'm going to give back to the next generation of entrepreneurs, and do my duty." And now you'd see what he's done with impacting the—you know—the hurricane victims and opening up like. Those are things that inspire me to do my best, that there's other people out there that are fighting even harder to create jobs, to create an impact in the community. And so that's those are a lot of things. But all those are, are thresholds that you've got to push through on people and culture and all those well, things. I love you brought up
0: Mattress Mac because that's the first thing I know about him is he is such a community giver Uh and that's what he was known for that's why everyone loved him you know and he took care of his community you know aside from the million dollar bets on sports but you know that's that that gave him national fame but locally we know him as just a a big person in the community and i I love that you aspire and you're already doing that but i that you aspire to be like that and do those things as well but you're talking about your values i wrote those down because i love them and i'll make sure hopefully i got them all right embrace change be a team player believe it's possible be authentic create lifelong fans and raise the bar. Uh-huh. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. And, and you start to, it, and the dots make sense. You know, the, and when we first did the, we had the draft, the only one that changed was I used to always say, roll with it. Got to roll with it. You just got to roll with it. That, that was one of the core values. And as we had an opportunity at 120 employees, I sat down in groups of 10 and we went over these values and embrace change became the word that my team all said instead of roll with it. And so that was the only one we tweaked on the wording. But the core values, what she said was, you don't realize it, but you've been living them since day one. And I have. And so raising the bar constantly, the authenticity that we talked about, be a team player, right? And you talk about humility, being hungry, humble, and smart, the ideal team player for Blanchione. You know, you start to to be a team player. Um, And you, you get that. And as you talk to people during the interviews, you can start to pick up. Are they a team player? Are they hungry, humble, and smart? Do they embrace change? Oh, my God, if they hate change, they're probably not going to fit in our DNA. And sure enough, when we go back to it, for anybody that hasn't worked out, it's typically down to those six core values. If they're not willing to raise the bar and do better and push to grow, then it's probably not going to work. And so all those little things connect the dots when you're hiring, recruiting, retaining, and also we share them. So we talk about, you know, I want our customers that we're doing business with. These are our core values. If this doesn't align with you, then we probably shouldn't do business together. And that's okay. I mean, there's plenty of business for somebody else out
0: there. And you answer one of my questions. My next question was going to be, how do you hire? What do you look for? Because you can't just hire somebody and then try to force your values on them. They they have to have it coming in. Uh, Ray Hunt years ago spoke at a North Dallas Chamber event, and he talked about the culture of Hunt Oil. And I didn't didn't really think they had a culture. And he talked about how important that was to them and they hired for that culture. If you didn't have, if you didn't already live what they were talking about, they wouldn't hire you. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about also the importance of pushing that culture throughout the whole year, not just one time. He said, yeah, some companies will have a culture day, but he said, you have to do it consistently, hire those people, make sure they fit in. And if somebody doesn't fit in, eventually they have to part ways because you don't want that bad apple in in the entire group because it is infectious.
1: Yeah, and you, and you can't as a, at, at hundred, and they have thousands of employees, but you know, at hundreds of employees, you can't, you don't get to know everybody. But by having a common set of values, you know that you're all on the same page. If you're marching towards a common vision and goals, you, you recognize this is, this is what we do, right? This is the job and the mission that we're on. And that starts to work. And when you celebrate them, so you'll see when I, I've got uh, monthly all-hands meetings, you know, um, with our team members, emails that are going out weekly, uh, or we're celebrating. So, you know, if Katie or one of the team members has done something and really raised the bar, you'll see like a raise the bar threaded into an email or a shout out. And everybody knows what we're talking about because you talk about them and you celebrate those core values and you coach to them. And you talk about them in onboarding when team members are come are well, during the interview process, they've probably been on LinkedIn and read them and said, is this true? Is they, are they really authentic? Like, And if they're not comfortable being authentic with us, then I don't want to hire them. I'd rather know today, you know, and you learn those things from other great organizations because the culture, you feel it. It's hard to define it. And that's why I said it's a living, breathing thing built on these values. And it changes over time, but in a positive way as people add to the DNA of it. And so that's that's how I would think about it. Speaking of
0: hiring, let me ask something, because, you know, you and I, we're almost the same age. I'll be 53 next month. All right. Well, I'll be in the club. But you know, it looks like online. It looks like you're high, a lot of your staff are more on the millennial side. They're younger. What do you see from? I don't want to say benefit side, but what do they look for in company? What do they look for besides? You know, we know health insurance and those kind of benefits, but what are they looking for from a company that they go to work for?
1: Well, I think what what people are looking for is is to learn, to grow, and to make an impact, and to financially take care of their family. Right? I mean, they're they're thinking about those things. So if I can learn and grow. And I can do something. And I always tell people, especially, you know, you, you, you really want to learn early in your career, hopefully your lifelong learning regardless, but they want to learn. And so do I have an opportunity to learn something here? Right. Do I have an opportunity to uh, be financially rewarded? Like, can I make an, you know, am I going to, so those are kind of table stakes, I think. And then you start to talk about impact like that that tingly thing of like wow i'm gonna make a difference in the role whether i'm in accounts receivable or whether i'm in sales whether i'm on the front lines of customer experience and i'm taking calls or doing chat like am i making an impact out there what is this company trying to ultimately do and so i think for us yeah we sell you know about 250 different products or we're making an impact on cultures of other organizations that are growing and navigating the future of work and change in schools and state and local businesses that we serve. And so we see that impact out there. And then you have other things. You know, we had early on, um, like MetroCrest here in town had a signup sheet. Uh, one of our team members uh, had a sign-up sheet. And do you, you want to drive around and do Meals on Wheels? I'd never heard of MetroCrest at the time. Mm-hmm. And so there's a signup sheet and people are signing up. So I'm like, I, so I email over there and they're like, Tracy Eubanks runs yeah. uh, MetroCrest. So I email. I'm like, I'd like to meet Tracy and see. And my wife had been over there with my son to do uh, packing of food and backpacks for kids. and She said, it's great. And I was like, OK, I, I got to go over and see this place. So I tour and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And I see the food and I, and I got to volunteer with my team and we're loading up cars uh, with groceries. And I saw the impact that they're making. And then Minnie's food pantry, Dr. Cheryl Jackson, yeah, she comes fantastic. in, she's great, she comes in. And they talk about it and what we realize is we can now create a volunteer time off program. I also had some scratch and dent furniture and some furniture that might be returned or whatever that's brand new. It's like, wow, what if I donated furniture to some of these nonprofits? So we did a, bunch, a big donation to Minnie's Food Pantry. And so Cheryl's got all the learning. You know, they're doing all the education yeah. classes. What's all of our furniture? And we went and showed up and we are their volunteers and ours. We built it together. And so you're getting some sweat equity and you're getting in there and building it. We did the same thing for the Make-A-Wish headquarters here. They were trying to put $500,000 worth of furniture like out to bid and they're going to, you know, buy it. And my team was like, wow, our furniture, one, is less expensive than, than most. So... <laughs> For $250,000 worth of furniture, they hit their $500,000 need, their budget. We donated the furniture. We went in with their volunteers and built it together and set it all up in the Make a Wish headquarters. And so suddenly they took that $500,000 and turned it into 50 wishes for kids. Wow. So those are the stories because they're authentic that our team members are coming to work with us and recognize we're making impact. So we've donated over $6 million worth of furniture to nonprofit organizations in the last three years. And that impact, because you think about it, is they're not spending probably 12 million or whatever from somebody else on furniture. And they take all those dollars. Now they have a cool space. They're recruiting volunteers or employees for these nonprofits. They go out. And so we're doing a huge one with MetroCrest when they're building their new campus. And we'll go in, it's a ribbon cutting ceremony. It's all, and it's a win, right? It's a win for our brand, obviously, um, but it's a win for the impact because now, you know, their people, their volunteers, their employees are in a cool space. We've made an impact. My team's a part of it, but that's all part of the culture and of what you're doing. So those are the things I think when people are looking for organizations they wanna be a part of, can I learn, can I grow, do I make an impact? Do I wanna work with these people? Do I believe in their values? Do I live their values? Um, and those are the things I'm thinking about. The other thing I talked to, to young leaders about and, and students that I talk to is there's two roles out there. You can, you can have a transactional role, or you can sort of have a relationship business as you think about your career. And so there's always a transaction to something like you're, you're doing something, you're selling something. Everybody's in business. We're all in, we're all in sales. Um, but the relationships that you build from your team members, with your clients, with companies you serve those are, that's what's about. If you sit at home all day and and you're just transacting, I'm beating on the table here, but if you're just transacting all day, um, you're probably gonna be replaced by a chat, Mm -hmm. GPT or some new whatever they're coming out with um, from a technology standpoint, and there's no value to what that is. And so finding ways for people to build human connections, whether it's through universities and schools, the way that they've always tried to do it, for businesses, for us, for these cool Venture Xs, all these businesses that are creating spaces for great entrepreneurs to get together, for people to work together, for other organizations to be together. I think that's a very important thing that we've got to continue to build because as humans, this connection is part of being healthy. This is so much a part of society and things that we need to, to create ways to do that. And so I think that's part of what we're on right now is to lead by example and through all this crazy isolation that's happening and find ways to bring people back together.
0: I think it's great. I mean the impact you're having on the community, we talked about that earlier, but you are having that impact, but also the trickle down effect that you're not even seeing, I'm sure is out there. But now you're bringing your employees into maybe places they didn't know. They didn't know about Minnie's food pantry.
1: They didn't know about some of these found
0: charitable yeah. organizations or how
1: to volunteer. Like I didn't do a whole lot of volunteering. Yeah. I just I didn't. I mean, I, I did some as a Boy Scout and all these things and you kind of do it, but you kind of lose it. Those. So you were talking about, you know, when you hire a younger generation of worker, you show them what to do. Like, how do you go back and serve the community? Um, and so I think those are ways you just lead by example and then you share it. Right. Obviously, we we happen to put it out there on LinkedIn. But by sharing those stories, other leaders and CEOs go, "Oh, we can do that, too. Why not? share the ideas, right? And so we share our ideas of things that we're working on and we get ideas from other people. And that's yeah. how you get connected in these great communities. So in our offices across the country, so like in Phoenix, we did the Boys and Girls Club in Phoenix. Well, I've heard of the Boys and Girls Club, but I hadn't heard of the one in Mesa, Arizona. And so they're like, oh my God, they've got this thing, this program. They're great. Right, so my team over there said, hey, could we serve them? So right now we've probably got a thousand original Veridesks that we've reached out to a whole bunch of nonprofits and said, hey, if you'll come get them, they're ready for you. So they're wow. coming to get them in pallets right now to serve these organizations. They're like, hey, we've got our volunteers at home. We want to We want to take care of them. So I'm, we're doing that donation thing right now. So you can go on LinkedIn and reach out to us. We'd, we'd love to help you. I love it. We made a good comment uh, that it kind of gets viral,
0: too. I mean, we did. So like we talked we about talk, feeding my starving children. Yeah. That's you
1: took your stuff. Yeah. We love that. My love kids love them. it.
0: It's a great place to go. But I made a post about it. We went a couple of times just through the holidays, and it's going to be kind of a regular thing for us. But I posted about that, and next thing I know, I'm getting texts from friends of mine saying, hey, I went and just did it. I went and just did it. It was so much fun. Yeah. So you don't realize it, but people are looking to, to do things. They want to be involved. They want to help. And so bringing your staff out there is helping the community. It's, I mean, it's, it's, again, creating that culture, but you're still helping the community.
1: Yeah. And I think each one of us, you know, you think about if, if you choose to be the light and do something positive, and light that one candle and suddenly somebody else sees it i mean imagine the amount of light mm-hmm. and positivity that we create in the world because i hadn't heard of feed my starving children until one of our team members was volunteering over there they said oh it's great we show up you know you put on the hair yeah. net you pack it on you get you know you're in your gloves and you are you're learning how to measure yeah. 0.7 <laughs> ounces of rice or beans or whatever the protein pack is and then you pack up and you pray for that palette of food yes. and you ship it off and a month later, you get an email that in Ghana, they've received your pallet of food and you just fed 12,000 yes. people from, I'm like, oh my, like, that, you can't describe the positive impact there. And to know that you're making a difference there and locally, globally, it's priceless.
0: I love it. Um, so let's shift gears for a minute. So before we run out of time, I want to talk a little bit about, you, you've now transitioned, you've taken Vary into the real estate market and you've got, you know, Vary Southlake, Capel, and I think there's another... Las Colinas, Irving, Calinas. yep. So talk a little bit about that transition. I mean, going from we're creating this workspace environment, to so now we are owning the workspace environments.
1: Yeah, so for us, we wanted to learn. So, um, you know, I think for us, we're, we're in a constant learning mode. So we'd lease some office space when, when we were just very, uh, my business partner, Dan, was like, hey, you know, if we buy a building and learn, You know, we will be able to talk to building owners all across the country and the world of, hey, this is how we think about the workspace of the future. So we bought the original Zales headquarters in Las Colinas and Irving. Beautiful building built in the 80s. It sat empty for six years. Mm. So he and Bill Colley went online and bought it on an auction. And suddenly we've got this amazing building and we transform it into VeriSpace. And we said, we want this to be for us an ideation lab, a showroom. And we leased it out fully furnished with our product in less than nine months. And so suddenly you've taken something that was just sitting there mothballed for years and you brought it back to life. It's a state of the art, beautiful campus, one acre park, 0.6 mile walking trail, 11,000 square foot gym, coffee bar, full restaurant and compass. And the energy is incredible. Now we've already started transition at the University of St. Augustine, just built a state-of-the-art campus in there, 75,000 square feet, training occupational therapists, physical therapy, Rumble On, who I had not heard of pre, mm-hmm. but they're they're amazing. So if you buy and sell your motorcycle, yep. they're publicly traded on NASDAQ, Marshall, and Peter, and they're great. So it's like, you've got these great companies in there um, that are in our space. We bought the building in Southlake. It sat empty for 11 years. It's one of the original buildings in Solana of the IBM campus. It sat empty for 11 years. So we walk in and we transform it into bear space. And again, all during COVID, we've leased over half this building. So likewise, again, a company I'd never heard of pre-COVID, you, when you take your phone and you turn it back in for your iPhone 10 to your 14 now... Um, they're the reverse logistics for all that across the world. One of the largest companies, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. And they're amazing. So now that is their world headquarters inside of our building in Southlake. Um, and so then we said, we want to build the building of the future. How would we learn? How would we build it? So we worked with Boca, Corgan, Adolphson, and Peterson and built the building of the future Verispace Capel. And we're a tenant. So of this million square feet of office that we own in DFW, we're only 10% of it. I've got you know right. less than 100,000 square feet as my team, but we lease it out to all these great companies. And then we host tours from all these great real estate executives, people that are thinking about buildings. How do you take an old building and bring it back to life? And obviously we're selling furniture. We also lease it out, but we've now leased uh, five or 600,000 square feet of office space all during COVID because we create a different energy, a different space. And so we'll announce a couple more here pretty soon. Can't announce them today, but, (laughs) um, but we're announcing pretty soon because that allows us we're doing something right. And so some of our leases might be 10 years, like a traditional lease. Some might be three or four, but that's how we learn. And it's just a part of us learning.
0: So what's next for you guys? I mean, just more real estate, more buildings, well, I what think for see? us
1: right now, we're focused. Things you can tell us. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're focused on really helping other companies transform their cultures through workspace design. Like literally, how do we create spaces that elevate people? And so I think that is my thing right now. And so we've now got team members in about 18 cities across the country in showrooms everywhere from Southern Cal to, you know, all throughout Texas. And we're literally hosting tours in person and virtual as clients are thinking about it. And so we're doing all the products for like Venture X's and all these great co-working companies that are all energized and coming back and small, medium businesses that are trying to figure out the future of work. So for us, we're continuing to create more and more products. With Verispace, we've got three amazing buildings. We host tours all the time and we'll work with other developers at some point where it makes sense. I think right now, the world's kind of trying to figure out what is going on out there, right? Are we in a recession? Are we not? But what I'm seeing is that we're just trying to find ways for people to get back together work and make an impact. And so I think a lot of companies are navigating, what is the future of work? Are we dis- are we gonna sit at home all day and stare at our screens? Or are we gonna find ways? And I think for us challenging ourselves, just like universities is how do we get people back together? And so when you when you are together, you start to meet people that maybe speak another language than you, that know something different than you, that have a different background, make more money than you, like you get to learn a lot As you build these relationships when you go to an office and so universities you also do that you get out of your neighborhood you know and you get to meet people and and really bringing the world together and so i think if we can create spaces that do that and work with great growing companies that are trying to figure that out across the country um, or people that are working from home like that will allow us to grow and could our brand be one of the big ones out there someday. And that's what I hope to do is build a great company. And we've got 350 employees and we're still hiring and we're trying to navigate it. Like everybody I've got to wake up every morning and earn it, you know, it's not free. And so we're, we're fighting the good fight. That's hopefully we'll win. So let's say one more thing and then we'll get ready to close out. Talk
0: about painting oh, <laughs> because yeah. that is such a 1st You're really good. Oh, thank you. Thank and I, you. I, I thought it interesting too. You know, we all have coaches for business and you have a painting coach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, I'm working on a, a painting for make a wish uh, with John B and she's a make a wish kid. So she's, she's a, a survivor and she was a make a wish kid at four years old. And I think she just turned 24 last week. And so, yeah, we make a wish reached out. they had heard I was doing some painting and they're like, Hey, we want to do a collab. Would you be in? I was like, Oh my God, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do one learn from a real artist so she's been my mentor and teacher my art coach so it's been fun to work on a collaboration with her and we'll reveal it in may at the make-a-wish and we'll auction it off and hopefully sell some raise some money and do some wishes so um and so that'll be a lot of fun but it's been fun to get back out there and during uh, the early 90s i did a little bit of tag art with you know cans trying yeah. to paint on canvases and uh trying to learn graffiti art and i wasn't very good and then in about 10 years ago i tried it again and and then during COVID, I got in the garage, you know, like, you know, and it was 100 degrees out there here in Texas and threw down some ca- canvas from Michael's and I started putting paint on it and it just felt really good. Um, and so I just started laying down paint and it started to feel good and it came to life. And I love bringing these canvases to life. I joke that I can't really paint anything. So they're mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like Jackson Pollock style. I'm like, I you know, <laughs> splatter paint, you know, and that's what my kids always called it. But that It was very soothing for me to learn the textures and try to Mm -hmm. figure it out and so yeah it's been fun we've auctioned off one uh, tcu we raised some money for that we just raised some money for metrocrest so i've been auctioning them off and selling some paintings to raise some money but it's been fun my wife joked that she kicked me out of the garage so i'm upstairs now in a room in my house and i get in there and my kids got me some white dickies overalls (laughs) even though i only wear black all the time but i got so now they're covered in paint and I get in there and I got gloves. Now I'm getting better. I still got paint on me today. <laughs> I was painting early this morning, but I get up, you know, and early in the morning sometimes and just for my headspace and meditation and, and paint for a little bit, or I'll paint at night and definitely on the weekends, I'm trying to crank out a couple a week right now. And I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my wife's like. like, You got to get them out. I was gonna ask you
0: how long does it take (laughs) you? A couple of weeks, actually, way more than I thought. I figured maybe I do one a month, two a month. But they're really good. Uh, I've been really impressed, and I've seen a progression too. Thank you. But I like the heavy. uh, You you look like you use a lot of thick, heavy paint, and I like texture. I like the texture and painting. I really like that. So those are fantastic. Yeah. So you're sorry. So you're a painter, an inventor, an innovator, a disruptor, and an amazing leader for other CEOs, other. Entrepreneurs out there yeah. a couple last words of advice or things you've learned.
1: I would say hopefully I'm a good dad And a good husband um, is probably The most important thing I think about um, is you know serving my family and 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 leaning in there I think you know for for entrepreneurs what I always talk about um, is if you can find and identify pain points that you see in the market out there and you have these passions and they happen to collide right where those pain points are, there's a tremendous opportunity to build an amazing business. And so when you think about that, we all see pain points out there and why is this? And it's so frustrating. And if you're an entrepreneur and you want to solve that particular challenge and turn that into monetize that pain, and turn that into a business. That can be a fantastic business. You know, I happen to also think it's okay to be an entrepreneur. You know, to, when I worked inside of Dan's company, Dan's a Dan's a, an amazing entrepreneur but to take a step back and, and serve another entrepreneur and, and help them grow his or her business and be a part of it. I love to have people around me that are entrepreneurial thinking. They treat the money like it's there, so we're not going crazy. We have to, everybody, we wake up at zero. We know we got to sell. We know we got to keep our costs down. We got to work hard. We got to serve our customers. Those are basic tenets of just being successful in life. Um, trying to find that balance, you know, I don't think I did early on. I think that's why I crashed out in the in the restaurant nightclub industry because I just, even the dot-com, I just worked seven days a week. And so I just thought that was all you did. And I never took a moment to recharge. Um, and so that's, that, for me, is is always a challenge, just finding that balance and integrating it all in. But I think those are things that we all struggle to do. And so finding those points of balance is hard. Um, But if you're truly doing what you like to do and you're excited about the challenges you're solving and the people that you're serving, it all works. It's not easy. But I also I've been reading some great stuff. My CFO has turned me on to Ryan Holiday and the Stoics and all these things. But you remind yourself um, that it's not supposed to be easy, that this is part of the work. Right. The bee gets out and does his or her job every day. Right. The flowers still do their job. Like Everybody's got a job to do. My grandmother is a hundred now and she talks about her journey and the work that you do. You know, um, when I, I never met my grandfather, but when he was killed when my mom was 14. So my, my grandmother raised seven kids by herself. You just do it. You have faith. You go to church, you get up, you get, you do your work and you get back at it and life will work out how it's supposed to. And so, um, that's how I think about things for entrepreneurs is you we've all got a job to do everybody's got to lean in and do something and find a way to make an impact um, and we all do and so whatever that job is do it and do it to the best of your ability and make the impact and everything will work out that's how I think about it awesome thanks so much for coming on this is an honor to have
0: you here oh my pleasure so it's very cool. exciting so everyone thanks again uh, real excited to have Jason McCann here and uh, thanks for tuning in and here's a few words from our supporters and sponsors Thank you to our sponsors and supporters, 33 Inc, helping your brand grow with custom screen printing, embroidery, and merchandising solutions, Smart Business Concepts, providing financial services to drive profitability, scalability, and flexibility of your company, and Texas CEO Magazine, informing and educating business leaders across Texas since 2010.
1: As business leaders, we all know that healthcare is expensive. In fact, it's one of the top five expenses in most companies. The decisions you make or don't make in your health care plan can have financial repercussions down the road, but not all is lost. There are ways to take charge and get your employees the best possible care, all while reducing overall costs for us as employers and employees too. get your copy of life and death decisions in the C-suite, where Dan LeBron and his colleagues pull back the curtain and address how the private health care system and health insurance industry have plagued businesses for decades. What you'll discover will empower you to take back control over your health insurance costs that could mean massive savings for your company while giving your employees better quality health care. Get your free copy now at the link below or using the QR code provided.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.